Pattern Shift presents Wake of the Wanderer, an audiobook serial podcast by Benjamin Camphouse. Chapter 1, Part 2 Asami Carlos had trusted that additional instinct at the beckoning of what they hoped really was Victor. Their reshaped body contained small holes through which the flow of water could be directed into and around them with precision. Tentacles and spikes could navigate, anchor to the rock, and use it to make slow but steady progress along the underside of the stone outcropping of the shoreline. They were not sure if their configuration was something they had envisioned on their own, or if they had been fed the ideas by Victor by the other set of sensations he had brought into them. Now in the water, they let that trust continue to guide them. They were going faster than they could have managed on their own, the way getting pulled out to sea by one of Earth's riptides must have felt. But the movement was purposeful. They probed the side of the rock above that made up the shoreline, found their way down into a crevice. They were navigating the currents instinctively. It had to be the other memories smuggled in through Victor's fragment, hopping between currents and the directions in which they flowed before Carlos or Asami could notice any difference in the water. As their movement was being guided by another, they shifted their attention to monitoring their joint perception. Asami could feel sensations in their body reacting to minute differences in pressure and temperature. Carlos followed, focused more on these, tried to resolve some visual correspondence to these sensations, but couldn't. He could reason through it, though. Those differences in pressure must correspond to depth contours. The temperature is a proxy to the underlying dynamics which gave rise to the currents. It was like having a transit map, given the ease of navigating with those urges. It took them out from the shore some distance, changed current and direction, then pulled them back in again, but at a wide angle, eventually moving back underneath the rocks of the shore. Asami breathed in. It was as simple as remembering you could breathe at any time, ignoring the cues the world fed you in dreaming. Carlos was looking directly ahead of them, waiting, struggling to hold back the impulse to extend a tendril and anchor to this or that rock and brace for impact before being pulled away. The contents of his vision moved too fast for any conscious interaction, but there was hope that if any sudden danger emerged and that other thing guiding them did not stop in time or did not have their best interests in mind, then something of his or Asami's unconscious would have time to react before the scenery accompanying the danger resolved in their visual awareness. The rock was hard basalt throughout and would hurt. Rather, it would be a limited simulation of painful, on impact. Any real danger in this situation would be what they were being pulled to and what was behind the pulling. They caught and redirected their caution almost at the same moment, cueing off the processes of reasoning in each other's minds and reaching similar conclusions at once. They had submerged completely underneath the rock, navigating an underground channel. The trajectory they were following in the water had arced upward, toward the surface again. Their speed reduced and they came to a stopping point, though still at a high enough speed that the tendril, their tendril, Asami reminded them, extended instinctively in front of them, bracing. It formed a spring or coil, absorbing the shock of impact, then redirected, bouncing them out of the water onto a smaller rock ledge. The blur of the water and their high-speed navigation had settled back into a scene more suitable for human eyes and brains, though there was almost no light. Asmi was dilating their pupils, tweaking the range of frequency response they could tune into, at least what the dream world made available. As Carlos peered around, beginning after several moments to detect edges in the rock features all around them. Dark gray on black, that was all they had. But he traced out the mouth of a cave, formed the shape in their minds. Here? 
here, through, careful, that thread of victory again. And there was something else that had tried to convey with that warning. Carlos was concentrating on it, but could only resolve a texture. Segments, ridges, a leg, a sharp protuberance. He stopped then, had an inkling. Asami was following his thoughts. Carving, tunneling, an appendage for that purpose. This cave was a burrow of some type. The thread had only been able to convey a few aspects of the creature's makeup, but it must have been one of the arthropod creatures they and other dreaming humans sometimes encountered and occasionally fought with or were ambushed by, at or around the surface or just underground. They entered. A few steps into the tunnel and all light departed. There was very little sound. After they had flown with the other creature's impulse through the channels and ended up underground, the silence had stunned them. It was easy to forget how windy the surface of the dream world was, especially near the shorelines. You got accustomed to it, your unconscious tuned it out. But when thrown into genuine silence from there, that silence seemed to suck sounds out from inside you and surface them. Their footsteps let out crunches at the slightest contact with the ground of the tunnel. The breaths of their intertwined form were uneven, another deep resonance to the tone, air working at a low frequency just at the border of audible. There were a few distant echoes from drops of water elsewhere in the tunnel system, but the uneven structure and narrow chambers made it difficult to determine where it might be coming from. We can't stay blind here, Carlos thought. Asami agreed. She searched herself, Carlos, themselves, the configuration of their bodies, looking for some way to emanate light, or otherwise bring in more. She could magnify their sound input as a whole, separate some of the sources, then heighten those drops and... Now, subtle shifts in the rock or dirt, maybe. Dampening their footsteps, dampening any sound that matched the movement of their body. The thread of Victor was urging them again, and the creature, something in that other urging knew about other options, was already reshaping parts of their shared body from the inside. Kylos was turning over and dissecting a feeling emanating from it, a pleasurable pulse. In the pulse there was a sensation, nerves, a swell that would rise up from their inner body, almost sexual in both of their immediate human framing. But putting that aside, there was a different physical character underneath it. The pulse was outward, energetic, electrical, emissive. It could give off light. I think this sensation corresponds with some sort of bioluminescence. Asami felt Carlos share her appraisal, giving his agreement, but also she felt the urge from Victor and those stowaway sensations he had brought along with him beckoning, push further, she pushed, a small thrill tickling her and Carlo. Some tiny granules of light began to speckle the surface of their shared skin. Reaching into that tickle sensation was like pushing more current through a light. The glow would increase, but too much and the wiring couldn't take it. It might short or give off sparks. The sensation was unsettling. She couldn't hold it for long without feeling a compulsion to fidget. A compulsion that, if not indulged, escalated to a desire to flail, jump around, dance. She pulled back from it, felt Carlos thrown unsteady from each pulse as well. There was a balance to work out here. He began moving them forward, taking steps. She wielded their pores of light as best she could, emitting dimmer pulses at an irregular pace, careful not to overload their biological circuitry with those overwhelming sensations. Already in the intimacy of shared thinking, there was another undercurrent to those pulses they were both all too aware of but they had exercised the discipline necessary for sharing thoughts before. They were both conscious of where they were placing their attention, moving forward, emitting light, making their way. 
This hint of light gave them a few meters of visibility. The irregular character of the tunnel appeared before them as if through an endoscopy camera, as if they were descending into the throat of an enormous creature with stone and dirt innards. At each junction, they felt that inner urge guiding them, pushing them this way or that. How is it navigating, I wonder? Carlos thought. Asami considered. Hard to say when we don't know what we're being led to. Their partial companions were silent in this. Not as if in hiding, at least neither Asumi or Carlos thought so at the moment, but as if there were no information to impart, nothing to say. These pieces of one human and one creature, Asumi was resolved to regard it as such, at least for now. If you just jammed a chunk of neurons from something else into your own mind, you couldn't exactly carry on a conversation with that chunk. Whatever beings had joined with them were limited in the thinking capacity they possessed. They contained just enough to lead them where they were going. With those constraints, she decided, it must be more like following a beacon than possessing a map. They followed the tunnel system further. The tunnels were almost uniform in width, though sections here and there grew more bulbous or narrowed. The ground sloped upward or downward constantly. They realized this only from shifts in the angles at which their feet hit the ground. The tunnels were not straight, but followed curves that sometimes seemed to double back on themselves though at different levels, as if they were strings cast on the ground in a tangle. All they could do was hope those urges from Victor or the other creature were leading them correctly. Asami heard something then. Carlos had already stopped, reacting to the same sound. Get ready, the Victor fragment. Ready for what? But there was no other reply. The sound grew louder, a scurry, keratin or chitin on rock. They braced, Carlos extending a longsword from their shifting form. He readied it, but struck the ceiling of the tunnel in doing so. They didn't have the room in this cramped space to use it effectively. The sound continued, became louder. He and Asami both shaped an arm each into a sickle that turned back in on itself. The shorter, curved shape would slash more effectively in the narrowness of the tunnel if they were attacked and needed to defend themselves. Carlos reshaped their vocal cords, blasting out a series of roars with the tone of a massive horn woven in. They had both used sounds like this to scare off creatures on approach, but it was only effective sometimes. There was a pause in the click-click-clack that was approaching. No, in some of it. That pause had struck off a shuffling of rhythms, clanks that had been masked by striking in unison now unfolded. There were more than... A sound just behind them. Asami pivoted both her arms and the tendrils of face flesh with her eyes toward it. Rock and dirt sprang from the wall of the tunnel as two appendages extended from it and toward her, several claws with the filiform sieve webbing the space between them. Its head was almost like a cricket's. She had no other time to take in its form. It lunged out and struck as she arced her blade up to meet the claws, hacking off a few as the creature's other arms swung in below. The flesh of her fused form hardened in response, a few strands torn out by the slash of the digging claw. She passed a cycle of her perception through Carlos. The other reached him. The creature swarmed, but only a few would fit stacked in the tunnel. He was weaving through a continuous dance. He had extended another arm, wielding the toothed scythe blades like an explorer in the simulations cutting through dense forests with machetes. He let out another roar. Other creatures filed behind the one attacking her through the new section of tunnel they had formed in the ambush. She and Carlos felt skin regrowing where it had been cut away the rest vaporizing into the dream world's imprecise tracking. They continued their frenzied carving, keeping the creatures at bay, but the sheer mass of the creatures stacked into each other pushed at them from both sides. Then an electrical blast. 
The other creature inside them, inside the Victor fragment, wired in there with them. It had pushed into its own pulsing capability. The same one Asami had incorporated into their form earlier to light their way, and now emitted an enormous surge. For Carlos and Asami, it was like a seizure, sneezing, spasming, orgasming all in the same instance, a blink that overloaded conscious awareness and short-circuited perception. Then they were laughing, a ridiculous laughter, a redirection of the energy that had built up inside them. The creatures closest to them looked unconscious or dead, a burnt smell lingering in the tunnel, the others were scurrying away in both directions. I think we're clear, Asami managed to pull the thought together a few moments later, still short of breath. Whatever mapping to or analog of their nervous systems was here in the dream world, it was recovering, though with a touch of absurdity. They both knew they should feel a settling of the adrenaline, new pains or injuries surfacing in their awareness once its masking effect was gone. But instead, a giddiness accompanying an energetic residue, a sizzle, and beyond that, an out-of-place cathartic relief. Thank you. Carlos pushed gratitude through their shared attention, hoping it would reach that creature deep inside them. Don't do that again. The last segment of tunnel they walked through opened into a lava tube. The divide in the rock was clean. In one area, the jagged rock near them could have been dug out over many years by the creatures they had just fought. Then, a neat line marked the boundary, and the next section of stone extended like a railway tunnel through a mountain, but smoother than any machine or human labor could have produced. Carlos felt like a raider entering a sealed tomb. His and Asami's pupils were still dilated, pulling in all the light that they could. The earlier light emissions they had pulsed out were no longer necessary. Here and there in the lava tube, small puddles gave off a faint glow. Water might have surged up through here with the ebb and flow of the ocean, the light source being bioluminescent microbes or small creatures. The scene before them was like an upside-down corridor, with light fixtures mounted on the floor rather than the ceiling. They spotted a more intense blue light ahead of them. It was like a distant city shining through a fog. Here, the urge from Victor's fragment and its passenger, the eagerness growing, resounding as an echo would if they were inclined to shout in this place. They walked closer and the light resolved into fractal, crack-like patterns. The densest portion of light emanated from an alcove where the cracks intersected, a higher concentration of microbes. At its center was a shadow, as if someone had carved a hole through the light. As they neared, its form became more clear. It was a perfect hexagon embedded in the wall, smooth, solid, and entirely black. Its glassy surface did not reflect any of the light cast in its direction. Instead, the hexagon was an anomalous sink, sucking in all the surrounding light, an irregularity in the very fabric of the dream world, some defect in its underlying reality. Asami and Carlos were both waiting for the other to finish processing what they were seeing. This was unlike anything they'd ever come across. Touch, the voice again. They had come this far, it would be a strange time to stop trusting. They extended their arms out in unison, still joined and wrapped together. Their hands made contact with the cool surface of the hexagon. Without warning, it gave way and they were sucked through, falling into a sea of memory. The 
novel, Wake of the Wanderer, by Benjamin Campos, will be released sometime in November 2019. The album, Wake of the Wanderer, by Pattern Shift, is out now. Thanks for listening.